Tua. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, another busy one, taking a look back at the week that was and the reaction from the national media on the acquisitions of Tyreek Hill and Teron Armstead. We'll also hear from head coach Mike McDaniel and GM Chris Greer on just that and the offseason as a whole so far and a whole bunch more as both men met with the media at the league meetings in Palm Beach as a very nice kind of sign of things to come with regards to where we are with the pandemic because getting everybody back together again that sure was nice at the beautiful Breakers Resort there in Palm Beach from somewhere in South Florida this is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins I wanted to look around the web and just kind of feel out the reaction of the national media and the like regarding the Dolphins' busy week that was this past week in the free agency and trade departments because as we discussed on this podcast leading into you know this upcoming offseason, the Dolphins' flexibility kept them in position to either spend big at certain spots on the offensive line or maybe you hold back and you trust in growth and development across the board. And now they have a chance to do both of those things as they do go out and get Teron Armstead as well as Connor Williams on the left side of that offensive line. And just a quick spoiler, Coach McDaniel did say at his press availability on Monday that Teron Armstead will be the Dolphins' left tackle this year. But beyond that, it's going to be up to the other guys to decide their positions and kind of for the coaching staff to get a look at those guys on the field before they make those decisions. More on that in our second segment. But... Looking back over the week that was for the Miami Dolphins, obviously a big tip of the hat to everybody involved in the entire process, and we'll get some of the reactions here in just one second, but Chris Greer, Brandon Shore, the Dolphins' front office, office, to be aggressive like that, to hit on the draft picks in recent years, to create some of that flexibility with bringing in veterans. And again, we talked about the idea of maybe that 29th pick isn't just for a player, a rookie, I should say, in this year's draft. And it wasn't. It was a a move, a a piece the Dolphins used to acquire not just a veteran player at a big-time position, a premium position in the National Football League, but one of the very best at that position in Tyreek Hill. As we discussed on the podcast the other day, uh, the Dolphins really beefed up that receiver room with Hill and Waddle and Cedric Wilson to add to what they already had with Parker and and Lynn Bowden and the rest of the guys in that unit, just a bunch of really good players in this Dolphins receiving core, and it got better with with Tyreek Hill. So I wanted to go first and look at the reaction here around the web, and first from, I wanted to put this in my last podcast, but because the podcast came out first thing Monday morning, and the Football in America and Monday Morning Quarterback articles come out on Monday morning also, that wasn't going to work out. So I wanted to go ahead and visit those stories and just kind of detail how things went down, which Peter King did just that in his Football Morning in America article. He talked about this and, you know, we talked about this, I should say, on the free agency primer about how draft or trades rather are increasing in the National Football League every single year. And that is what Peter King says has been one of the big topics around breakers in Palm Beach this week. 
architectural NFL change, he writes, and he quotes Drew Rosenhaus here who said, I feel it. Teams see what the Rams did a few years ago. You never see trades for guys like Matthew Stafford, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Deshaun Watson, Von Miller, but you can trade big players and you can trade lots of picks and you can win. So that's what the, I, I guess, don't really got a foot around that. The premier agent in the National Football League, the guy that certainly uh, represents the most clients, I, I would assume. But talking about this story from Peter King, he talks about it. The Tyreek Hill trade from the Chiefs to the Dolphins for five draft picks. And, you know, Rosenhaus again says a few years ago that the odds of that trade happening would have been slim to none. Franchise players just were not moving then, but they are now, end quote. So King also recaps the picks in the draft and just says a good a good way to kind of get a barometer for how things have changed is the Dolphins had six picks in the top 100 back in 2000, five picks in the top 100 back in 2021, and are scheduled to not have a pick in the top 100 of this year's draft. But again, that goes back to the idea of the flexible, balanced type of roster you create by having 11 picks in the top 100 and hitting on a vast majority of those picks in terms of immediate contributors. We've been over the list by now. You guys know about Javon Holland, Jalen Waddle, Jalen Phillips, Rob Hunt, Brandon Jones, Raekwon Davis, Tua Tungava. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on with young players on those rookie contracts the Dolphins hit on and now using their capital this year to be very aggressive. And Peter King writes the backstory of that Tyreek Hill deal highlights, highlights, I should say, the sea change in the National Football League. And he kind of recaps how this all went down, saying the Chiefs were actively negotiating with Drew Rosenhaus for an extension for Tyreek Hill. But the GM of the Chiefs, Brett Veach, wanted to keep things open. You might recall Tyreek Hill thanked the Chiefs brass and Brett Veach and Andy Reid for allowing him to kind of explore options and also thinking about the possibility of bringing him back or getting the draft picks they got in return for Tyreek Hill eventually and then look to maybe replace that production in the draft for that receiver. And so Rosenhaus said that that he contacted 31 teams within a day of getting permission to seek that trade and 12 clubs had interest, even knowing the financial ballpark that Tyreek Hill was going to be stepping in because of that new contract extension for one of the game's premier players. And so after the the Devontae Adams trade from Green Bay to Las Vegas went down, King writes, that's when Rosenhaus kind of picked things back up because he knew that that would kind of reset the market at the position and possibly give them a chance to go after the new contract they were looking for with the teams they had discussed. And there was a very high possibility, they write in the story, that the Jets were going to be the one to come away with Tyreek Hill saying that it was it made a lot of sense from a dollar standpoint, from adding to that passing game standpoint. And they also had the draft compensation coming back to the Chiefs that they felt was within the ballpark of what they were looking for. But then ultimately, Hill, who says his Miami is like a second home to him, and that that was an area they really wanted to explore as a possible destination. And then Rosenhaus in the same article said there was a time on Tuesday, recall the information came out Wednesday morning about a possibility of a trade for either the Jets or Dolphins. And Rosenhaus said on Tuesday, he thought there was a good chance they'd be going back to Kansas City with a new deal there. And then the next conversation talked about the advantages of playing in New York. And the next conversation was pro-Miami again, the home away from home for Tyreek Hill. So they had all those possibilities and options within the folder throughout the process. But the Dolphins are the ones that came through and got Brett Veach what he wanted, got Tyreek Hill what he wanted, and now Mike McDaniel and Chris Greer get what they want in Tyreek Hill. And now it's the Chiefs and the Packers in the story, as Peter King writes about looking for replacements for their big-time star receivers who departed over the course of the last couple of weeks here. And so when it was all over, they said Tyreek Hill was happy with the money and the locale. 
And I think we all kind of saw that play out during Tyreek Hill's introduction press conference down here in South Florida. If you have not seen that, as well as Teron Armstead, they went back to back. Go to our YouTube channel, look those up. You can find them in their entirety. Very, very entertaining. Now, I wanted to go ahead and get a look here from Albert Breer, who wrote on his MMQB piece that the Tyreek Hill trade signals where the NFL has been going for a while, talking about this copycat league where the biggest winners over the last couple of years, you've seen teams try to bend over backwards, he writes, to give their quarterbacks their own version of Hill. He talks about that's why Hollywood Brown was a first-round draft pick. That's why Henry Ruggs went in front of Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb in 2020, and why Jalen Waddell went sixth last year, four picks ahead of his teammate in Devontae Smith. They want to surround these quarterbacks with young, talented receivers as well, and the Dolphins sure as hell have done that. But he talked about this trend, Breer did, about a potential offensive structure around these two receivers and game plans predicated on getting the ball out quickly and into the hands of Hill and Waddle, which he writes were two of uh, were placed to which played a two of strengths when he was in college and now with the pros here, and about how the league had adjusted to more too high looks and forcing offenses to go 10, 12, 14 plays down the football field. And we saw Miami have success with that last year, but now picture having some of that, but also some of the sizzle to make the bigger plays like we saw with Waddle on that 57-yard catch and run against the Panthers. Get two guys that can do that. Maybe you spring a couple more. A couple more big plays per game can obviously swing the game in a big, big way. And the Dolphins have a chance to make that happen now here with Tyreek Hill in the fold. How about Dan Orlovsky, who we know has been a big supporter of Tua Tungavailoa, throughout the course of his NFL career so far. I want to play this clip from Dan Orlowski on NFL Live, or was no, ESPN Get Up. My apologies. ESPN's Get Up. Here he is talking about Tua and the trade and what they can expect to see this year with the Dolphins offense. I think that the Miami Dolphins with Tua and now with Tyreek Hill can become basketball on grass, and he just has to play elite-level point guard. I would tell you this. If I had to ask everybody at home paying attention and people on this show right now, what quarterback last year threw the ball at or behind the line of scrimmage most in the NFL? Who would you say? It's Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes threw the ball at or behind the line of scrimmage the most last year in the NFL. He just so happened to have Tyreek Hill. That's what's going to be this offense right now. And, and I get your point, Teddy, of saying, like, he's got to throw the ball downfield. And you know this just as much as anybody. I think there's two ways you throw the ball downfield in the NFL. You either have a freakazoid, a, a Julio Jones, a... DeAndre Hopkins, where you can go, my guy better than your guy, I'm going to throw it downfield, or you've got to be phenomenal at the play-action pass. Mike McDaniel, Who's their that? new head coach, is going to be phenomenal designing stuff to create chunks in that play-action game. And I just think this offense is going to be basketball on grass with their speed and physicality on the offensive line now. And so there you have ESPN's Dan Orlovsky. And as you heard him talking there through the idea of getting the ball down the field and talking about the ball coming out quickly... There's a little clip they show, or a, a stat sheet during that video, that shows you that Tua Tungavailoa had the third quickest average release time per next-gen at 2.52 seconds per throw, and Jalen Waddell had the third most catches within two seconds of the snap in the NFL with 46, and Tyreek Hill was fourth with 45 catches within two seconds of the snap. So talk about complimentary pieces. We'll hear from Mike McDaniel on that in just one second. But real quick, you also heard Orlowski talking about the play-action game there. Well, last year, Tua was 129 for 169 on play action for 1,375 yards. That's 8.1 yards per pass, eight touchdowns, two picks, and a 106.5 pass rating. So the proof is in the pudding right there. I want to go ahead and keep this going here with our last little insert, our last little clip here today. 
and it pivots to the offensive line. And Brian Baldinger, man, the best in the business. But how about this WWF-style introduction? One minute and 11 seconds of Baldy getting pumped up onto Ron Armstead. God damn, they got some players coming in South Florida. Like t said. Like, look at this movement right here against the Vikings, 2020. I thought he was the best left tackle in football. Backside blocks, as important as frontside blocks. But not just getting the block, breaking the will, staying on him, letting him feel your punch, T-Stead, putting him down on the ground like your Sunday afternoon trap for Monday morning pickup. This is a beautiful thing. You haven't seen this in South Florida. This is how you do it. You want to run the ball, you move bodies. That's how you do it. You don't position block, you get physical. This is how you do it. Watch this right here. Where did he go? Wait up, come back here. How the hell did he just throw him right off the screen? Reverse shoulder block. Get him out of here. This is a beautiful thing. Just watch this. Imagine this. They haven't had this. Imagine if this is coming to South Florida. This type of mangling, destruction, finishing, letting them feel your punch. T-Stead putting on the aqua and orange. It's going to be a beautiful thing. A great marriage. Thought he might say red and black's the bomb there at the end, but aqua and orange works just as well. Big thanks to Baldy for putting that clip up there as he does for all those great clips breaking down guys' tape. Thought it was a fun little look around the web right there, and there's plenty more of it out there. I've enjoyed every bit of it. Go ahead and take a look for yourself. Fun to watch. Dolphins in the news. A lot of positivity going going on out there around the web. Let's go ahead and take our first break here before we head out to breakers and hear from Coach McDaniel and Chris Greer at the annual league meetings in Palm Beach next on the Drive Time Podcast with Travis Wingfield brought to you by AutoNation. Back here on the Wednesday edition of the Drive Time Podcast, we pick it up right here with Mike McDaniel's Monday Media Availability. Say that five times fast. I want to go ahead and start here at the start when Coach was asked about that question last week to Teddy Bridgewater when he talked about not divulging the -the behind-the-scenes conversations he had with the coaching staff. Here's Mike McDaniel on the backup quarterback position and what they wanted in that position, like he talked about in Indianapolis. Well, that's an example of uh, Teddy being a true professional and being experienced in this business. Um, that is for us to talk about, really not him. Um, you guys remember around the combine, um, I was describing, you know, what uh, specifically what what I thought Tua really needed in support of with a backup quarterback. Un- unbeknownst to you guys, I was quite literally describing Teddy Bridgewater at the time just not using his name. So um, both players have been um, explicitly explained their roles and expectations um, and and for that room to be their best, um, they need to know that. And um, moving forward, we're very excited to have Teddy a part of the process and um, and hope to win some games with both those guys. working together and empowering Tua to be the best player he can be. Um, and that's something that, that Teddy takes serious and is excited to do that. I think that says it all right there. No need to go expand upon that because Coach McDaniel was very comprehensive in that answer and telling us exactly what he's thinking and what the team is thinking. Let's go ahead and go now to a question about what he was thinking when the possibility of this trade for Tyreek Hill and that explosive player for an explosive offense. What was he thinking when that possibility came up? Um, there was a lot of uh, a lot of stuff going on in the brain. You're not sure if it's true. You know, it, 
you get involved in these processes and there's a lot of things that come across your desk. Um, so I, I, I was trying to um, be a pro and understanding that, you know, don't get ahead of yourself. Um, but it was uh, very exciting to get go through the process to, to see really um, Chris Greer and Brandon Shore work. Um, and, and once it came to fruition, uh, it, it couldn't be happier for uh, for the Miami Dolphins and adding a player of that talent to the team. And of course, some more talent added to the offensive line this offseason as well. Coach was asked about positional designations. And again, the answer covers it all. Let's go ahead and hear Coach right here. I feel very confident about the players that we have at the offensive line position. I know Teron's going to be the left tackle for sure, um, but it wouldn't be fair to the process or the players to, to try to outline um, exactly who's going to be where um, moving forward, only because when you, when you just off the top of my head, there's about four players, whether we got them in the, in the draft in the last couple of years or in free agency this year, um, that one of their strengths are versatility. And we are doing a new scheme um, that, that highlights different attributes um, of, of a player's performance. And it, it wouldn't be fair to the process nor to the players to say, okay, this guy's going to be here uh, um, exactly at this point because it is, it is a different scheme. We ask people to do different things, um, but excited about all those players, you know, um, while really each and every draft pick that we've had up front were guys that in a different city when I was working on a different team were looking at targets for ourselves so um, excited about those type of players and and starting in a week we'll begin that process to decide exactly where they're at. Let's go back to the Tyreek Hill trade and we'll hear coach talk about not just what he can bring to the football field but also off the field as well. Um, I've been, I've, I'm really excited about what Tyreek can do um, on the field, but even even more than that, um, I, I think he has an opportunity that he's really excited about to uh, develop the room um, as a player and lead. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of youth on our team, and he has a lot of outstanding experience, um, and, and and really trying to just start next week, get him in the door, have him learn our language, um, and then you know, utilize his um, vast array of skill sets in, in a multitude of ways. But it's, you got to start um, with a foundation, much like building a house. We're building a football team, um, and we got to start with uh, how, how to line up and uh, what cadences are and um, how to come off the ball and utilize every single asset that he has in his body. You know, normally we kind of break these answers down, but they're pretty comprehensive. Let's keep going here with Coach McDaniel. And he was asked if he feels the team has done enough to get greatness out of quarterback Tua Tungavailoa. Again, this answer just, it's fantastic. Let's hear from Coach. Well, I hope not because we haven't been able to meet about football yet. So in regards to uh, Tua and really any player on our offense, you know, the nuts and bolts really begin April 4th for us when we start phase one. And you, you try to have good players on your team on both sides of the ball, um, as well as special teams. You try to put, empower players by having good teammates. And then you just, as boring as it is, you have to deliberately engage day in, day out 
um, to really get the end result that we're all that everybody wants. So, um, have we done enough? Well, we we barely even scratched the surface. It's going to be um, there is no shortcut to doing anything great in this league. And as much as you'd like to say bold this that or the other, there's no there's no shortcut. There's no secret. It, it's guys coming in together trying to work for a common goal and becoming the best offense which had remember football is 11 11 separate players working together in unison um, at the same time and that's what we're going to start working on on monday and and uh each and every day we're going to be challenging to it to be his very best um, as well as every other player on the offense Next coach was asked if he would say this year's offense will be better than last year's offense. And he basically just said, look, we're not really concerned about things that happened last season. He even said, if you want to call things that happened last year, PMM, pre-Mike McDaniel, that you can go ahead and do that because those things are completely irrelevant in coach's mind. One thing not irrelevant in coach's mind, the addition of Chase Edmonds and Cedric Wilson Jr. And you guys heard them on the Drive Time podcast. This had to have come through the speakers for you guys the way it came through for me talking to these guys and meeting these guys just about how genuine and good people they were those were very very high atop the list for the Miami Dolphins in acquiring players this offseason well both of those football players um they 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 came to us with an unbelievable reputation as human beings um both players um happened to be very good with the ball in their hands um, which was attractive to us, um, and, and both players um, were, were in their own right self-made. Um, they, they had to compete for opportunities um, in their given organizations, and that, didn't, that made them stronger. That didn't kill them, that made them stronger. So there is common traits in that um, that, that go from the tape and beyond, um, and we felt like we had... Um, a lot of great information, um, courtesy of C- Chris Greer and his staff, on who these human beings were, and um, which made us feel very comfortable targeting them for the Miami Dolphins of 2022. I will interject some opinion here because the idea of taking into account players going through adversity and overcoming the adversity and facing those moments of, you know, take a right, take a left taking the right way and becoming stronger for those adversities. That was an awesome answer. And the coach then answered a question about what exactly the message is across not just the league, but to the players here with the Miami Dolphins about going out and getting players like a Tyree kill, like a Teron Armstead, you know, two players, if not at the top, near the top of their respective positions in the national football league. And he just said it was important that we're transparent. What we're trying to do that everything we can to win football games. So I think that was Pretty much the takeaway from that was that we're going to be aggressive. We're going to try to do everything we can, use all these resources to try to win football games. There's no exception. There's something to be excited about, but there's a lot of other players on the team to be excited about as well, Coach McDaniel said. He then answered a question about the, again, Tyreek Hill and Debo Samuel comparison, and he made it a point to say the same thing again in regards to Debo Samuel's role evolved into what it was. He talked a little bit about Tyreek Hill maybe having some overlap in his skill set and in terms of the usage in the offense. But again, to reiterate that what Debo Samuel was in San Francisco didn't just happen overnight. 
you kind of build that into your offense. You build the idea or the identity of your offense and try to find out who fits what role. And it's kind of the same thinking there for the Dolphins with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle too. He then answered a question about quarterback Nate Sudfield from la- uh, with the Niners last season. And then also back to the Dolphins here, a conversation about what speed does for an offense. And this is what I wanted to ask him, but Daniel Oyafusi from the Miami Herald got in there, got that question in. So thank you for doing that, Daniel. It was tough to get questions uh, in a very loud, loud room there. But here is Coach McDaniel talking about speed and the importance of speed on your team and on your offense. You know, it's it. I think there's something to be said about uh, talented players, and there's a lot of talented players that are fast. I think we're, we're trying to... Um, you know, you don't go in um, at the beginning of the whole process necessarily saying all we want are fast guys. What we want is really good football players at the position. On top of that, if they happen to be fast, you know, there's a couple ways that we can utilize that. So um, I, I think the, the biggest thing is that we got some really good football players that happen to be fast that on – April 4th, we're going to be able to start to get in rooms together um, and kind of develop what this team is going to be because that, you know, you can say whatever you want at a press conference in front of a mic- microphone or, but, you know, it's, it, there, it's the blood, sweat, and tears that goes on when you're um, investing yourself and committing to and sacrificing your time and committing to a football team. And within those walls, the, the individual personalities kind of create the culture and really the likeness of, of what your team's going to look like and be um, moving forward for the season. Coach was then asked about the picture I'm sure you guys all saw before he stepped to the podium, had a little conversation with Patriots head coach Bill Belichick, had a great joke about how I think I'm a few behind him in the wins-loss column in terms of the wins, and then talked about his respect and admiration for the head coach there of the Patriots in Bill Belichick. Next, he was asked about Connor Williams and the position he wants to, or he's going to see Connor play. And he went back to the same thing, talking about how he wouldn't be doing justice to the process for all the players involved to not get them in house and train them and see where they're most comfortable as Miami Dolphins. And that will be evident by their play and how they're able to execute the given tasks. That was really, really thorough and really uh, respectful of the question and really just a good answer for us to digest and the thinking there of this Dolphins coaching staff and brain trust. Next, Coach was asked about his relationship with quarterback Tua Tungavailoa and how it's evolved so far to this point in the process. Um, it, it's that's been a cool process because um, you know you just you you the first time you talk to somebody since like maybe the the combine process is on Facetime while you're on a on a jet flying to flying to meet him. Um, since then, um, I think there's been. Uh, there's been a lot of trust that has been earned. You know, we, we've both been very honest, honest and candid with each other. Um, and I think that's, you know, in any healthy relationship, that's paramount. Um, and, and so that, that's been a fun process. And building that, you know, it's a lot of buildup. But you have to wait because the current CBA mandates that we do to talk football and but once that process starts on april 4th um i think the equity that we've built up uh in in trust and um uh, mutual respect i think they'll pay dividends um come to work next uh monday about this time 
Coach then answered a couple of questions about running back Raheem Mostert and really kind of talked about how it wasn't something they expected to happen early in the process, but then once it came up as a possibility, they were excited and moved quickly on getting him back, the former 2019 rushing champ for the Niners that season under Mike McDaniel. And then uh, after that, Coach was asked about the retention of tight end Mike Gesicki and defensive end Emmanuel Ogba. Thought it was another great answer here from Coach. Oh, b- both both players um, are are out. We were very, very fortunate to retain both players and both sides of the ball just because what you're talking about are professional football players that, that know the process and know how to execute and perform on a week-in, week-out basis. Um, th- those type of things cannot be lost in the whole process about uh, dependable playmakers. And I, and I feel like um, that's what the Miami Dolphins got and resigned both players. Picking it right back up here, Coach was asked about, you made a lot of moves. Which one to you was the most exciting? Don't know how you can't love this answer here from Coach McDaniel. To be fair, we did go into free agency with the least amount of players on contract of any team in the NFL. So there was a lot of work to do. Um, Out of them all, I'm going to say the Miami Dolphins. Out of all the players in the whole process, the the person that played out the best would be the Miami Dolphins organization. For me, it's a football team, and, and to sit here and say that one player, um, you know, I, I think they, they all snowballed on each other. I think there was a, there was a buzz that the, that the Miami Dolphins organization and the city of Miami very much deserved, um, and, and the organization to their credit, and I think they all snowballed on each other. So for me to say... Um, you know, the, the first one was probably special. Um, you know, so we re-signed Ogba and then, uh, Chase Edmonds, you know, to, to kind of get it started to kind of, and it was early. So I think that tone set, um, was, was important to me. Um, but, you know, diligently approaching it. You know, I, I, I know you want, I mean, it's just not my nature as a football coach, you know, to sit here and say my favorite player, um, only because they're all important to me. And I, it's, it's the most obvious common sense thing to me to understand that, hey, guess what? Not any of them can have any success unless the other, other guy is performing to the best of his ability. You can't, there, there's no... There's no individual one player that just stands alone. So I was more excited about the entire group. And so probably the, the one that, start, that started it off was the, the most special just because it was like, all right, it's real and it's time and here we go. I sure do like Coach's approach to recognizing Dolphins fans and their perspective and just the city of Miami. Really cool stuff there from the head coach. Let's go ahead and pick it up here with him talking about something we referenced earlier in the podcast, the complimentary parts and how to build a roster, not just around your quarterback, but to build the roster around the roster itself. Here's coach McDaniel. Um, I know quarterbacks need players and players need quarterbacks. Um, the exact formula of how you go about doing that um, is honestly, all right, what's the best way we, we have player X. What's the best player that we can get to compliment player X um, oh, well, that's player Z. And then 
you go to some other consonants. Um, in terms of the the best formula, I mean, I, I think it's a formula that's adapting to the people around them. I think uh, having a, an identity that you're trying to find and committing to that that vision um, with an ultimate purpose is important. And so uh, having having a vision and, and, and going about it in, in uh, conclusively in one direction, to me, that's the most important part. I, I think there's a lot of different ways to cut to, what, a skin a cat, maybe? Let's go ahead and finish up with this one here with Coach talking about offensive tackle Teron Armstead. Left tackle Teron Armstead. Uh, I, I saw uh, Teron Armstead's one of the um, – is – an outstanding player at one of the most difficult positions in the National Football League. And I think that's obvious by the uh, respect that his peers give him um, and his teammates give him. And to have the opportunity to add um, a player that's played um, so good for so long and still has so much good football in front of him, on top of the fact that, like most of the players that we were able to add, um, really all the players that were able to add in this, this offseason. He is a paramount human being and individual. So there you have Coach McDaniel. Let's go ahead and take our last break. Real quick before that, though, Coach did also squash out the idea or reports of these rumors about Tom Brady saying, I think that's what you call fake news. So you can go ahead and put a stop to that. Let's go ahead and come back here on the other side of the podcast and hear from Dolphins GM, Chris Greer. Back here on the Wednesday edition of the Drive Time Podcast brought to you by Auto Nation, And we heard from Dolphins GM Chris Greer at the owners meetings on Monday, the annual league meetings that took place up in Palm Beach. And he went through a few things here talking about first, how you guys have been known to build through the draft was the question for him. Is this strange for you going into a draft, not having your first and second round draft picks, having spent them on a premier player like a Tyreek Hill? And he talked about how the last time he thinks they didn't have to, or they had to wait this long for a draft pick was Seth McKinney out of Texas A&M. And if you guys recall, that was early 2000s back in the day. So he joked about that being a boring day one, but I liked what he said after the fact. Now, something we've talked about here on the podcast quite a bit, actually. And so why not let Chris Greer explain to you what I've been trying to explain in the podcast here for a while now. It's the opportunity to, to add a good player, you know, a very dynamic player. It's one that we feel is one of the best players in the league. And uh, when those opportunities come, you just felt, you know, you can't pass on it. And I think we had spent the last few years, like I said, building and, and, and getting the roster to a point where we feel like we can start competing. And uh, at the end of the day, being able to add a player of his caliber, uh, we just felt it was too good to pass on. And, and to do deals like that, you always need uh, good support from ownership from Steve, Tom, and then, and then Brandon working and, you know, with the agent as well to uh, finish up the deal. So you heard him talk there about getting the roster to a point where you feel like we can start competing. He'll talk about, you know, taking on the contracts and the aggressiveness later on in a question and answer here in this uh, media availability. But I thought it was really cool to hear from him in terms of how this was a good time to to take an opportunity to go get a player like a Tyreek Hill and the Dolphins certainly pounced on it. He also was asked about when did he realize that Tyreek Hill was a possibility. And Chris said it was basically the previous Friday. So what was that about? 
a week and a half ago or so, two weeks at this point by the time you hear this podcast, and they talked about looking into it saying there's no way we can do this, right? And then looking over it again saying, actually, yeah, we can find a way to make this work. And that's the collaborative effort you're going to see from those guys, you know, from from not just Chris Greer, but Brandon Shore, and then Tom Garfinkel and Stephen Ross as well. So a team effort to get one of the best players in the National Football League down here. He was also asked about Tyron Matthew, said, no, we are not uh, pursuing Tyron Matthew. Good player, says he'll be a good addition for any team in the NFL, but no, we are not pursuing him. Touched on the linebackers coming back and their familiarity with Josh Boyer in terms of how to run the defense. They're with uh, Landon Roberts. Talked about Duke Riley competing for playing time as well as his special teams role and also enjoying what Brandon Scully did for them on a football field with tough, competitive, smart guys that can really add to that group. He was also asked where he was uh, when it, he found out that Tyreek Hill was there. So he said he was at the Ohio State Pro Day looking at a couple of receivers there. And he thought that was kind of funny because uh, Tyreek owes Mr. Ross some money for the flight in the hotel. A little bit of a joke there. But also that Frank Smith, Dolphins OC, was with Chris at the pro day there and talking about how they were doing some fist bumping and some people around the league were saying, oh, you guys got him, dang, but congrats nonetheless. So that was cool to hear Chris Greer talk about. Also liked hearing him talk about Teron Armstead and Connor Williams and fits for the offensive line and how Mike McDaniel has done a good job putting a staff in place to get guys like this and maximize their ability. Here's Chris Greer on the Dolphins signing pro football focuses number one overall free agent and number 36 overall free agent to that offensive line, number one tackle and number three guard, respectively, this offseason. Well, we, you know, Mike has assembled a really good staff and it's very heavy offensive line coach, you know, uh, coaches. Um, and I think he's done um, a great job in terms of communicating that vision for what he wants. And so I think for us, you know, we feel good about the young players we have, as does Mike and the staff talk about them, you know, um, they understand they need to play better. and and can get better, but I think the scheme also is very friendly for offensive linemen. And I think Teron had mentioned that in his press conference and wanted to play in the scheme. And, and Connor Williams was a, another one that uh, we felt excited about because we think he's a very good run player. And is also he's very athletic and can pass block. And I think, um, like anything, they all keep working, improving, get better. And, and so we're very excited about the group overall. Speaking of the offensive line, how about center Michael Dieter, who had that injury midseason last year that I think kind of got lost in the shuffle there a little bit, but he played pretty well when he was healthy and available. Here's Chris Greer talking about Michael Dieter, and do you still believe there's developmental upside in Michael Dieter? His answer, right off the top. Yes, we do. Um, you know, Mike really developed as kind of a leader. You know, he became more, much more vocal. Um, you know, he had a... An injury last year was kind of a freak injury. You know, our doctors had said they hadn't really <laughs> seen anything like it when they were kind of, you know, going through that with him once he got hurt. Um, so he really hasn't played a ton of games at center still. Um, interesting thing about him is that every year, which is offseason, we've had team call, multiple teams call and offer us picks for him. So um, he's thought of pretty well around the league still as a player. Um, he knows there's still a developmental window for him to go, but um, he'll have competition at that spot as well. So a nice vote of confidence there in Michael Dieter, but also talking about adding competition to the position as you want to do at every position across your roster this time of year. How about Tyreek Hill and becoming the highest paid receiver in the National Football League? And how did you become comfortable with that contract? Here's Chris Greer talking about the decision and what Tyreek Hill does for this offense. I think it's like anything. Is as other moves are being made around the league, and you start seeing you know the structures and stuff of those con uh, contracts. But uh, at the end of the day, it was about adding the player. You know, um, he was such a unique talent, and for what well, Mike and I were talking about, what we needed on our offense for you know those dynamic catching runs. Obviously, with Waddle, we added Cedric Wilson, and then you know um, 
arguably Tyreek's the best run after catch receiver in the league. So the opportunity to add to the offense for what he does and the skill set we were looking for, we couldn't pass on. And um, and obviously you could do a deal like that is talking with ownership and Steve and Tom were, are, were fantastic in terms of uh, what we were looking for. And then, then Brandon did a great job of working, working through with the agent to finish up the deal. Okay, a couple more here. We heard Chris Greer talk about the idea of the return man and how Tyreek Hill said that he wants to make sure he's back there getting a couple returns every single game. And of course, Chris Greer laughed about that. But obviously having him and Javon Holland, Jalen Waddle, the players he listed there as possible return guys, they feel really good about that. But also that the fact that those guys are big contributors on their side of the ball. He said, we're not really worried about the return game and we'll see how that all sorts out. And also said they're still looking at the pr- uh, process of a punter talking about veteran kickers out there, but also willing to go through the process of the draft for your next punter. Was also asked about the process of franchise tagging Mike Gesicki and mentioned that the tight ends across the league, there was a bunch of them that got tagged, and he's right, talking about David Njoku and a couple others across the league there as well, but talked about Mike being a good player and the intentions of keeping good players around like a Mike Gesicki, wanting him to be here, wanting him to play, not just on that tag, but here uh, to be here, I should say, for the season to play football. Let's go ahead and go back to the draft here and talk about this question I had for Chris Greer about having those 11 picks in the top 100 the last couple of years and now no picks and using those picks on a guy like Tyreek Hill. Did you feel like you had a chance to be aggressive because of the production you've gotten from those 11 players in the top 100 over the last two years and the additional young players that have given you production? Did that make you feel more comfortable going after a player like Tyreek Hill and being that aggressive? Here's Chris Greer. Yeah, uh, it's, you know, like we talked about, we've been building here for the last few years. So um, the chance to get aggressive and add a, you know, a talented top player position was something we just felt was too good to pass up. Um, you know, as, as we, we feel like good about the players we've drafted. And, but the great thing about all those guys, they're all very competitive and they know they can still get better and work. And it's been exciting to watch those guys. They've been all offseason working and they pop by the office. So. Um, they're young guys that love football and they all want to keep working to get better. Next, Chris Greer was asked about Xavier Howard saying they've had conversations with Xavier, but they'll keep those conversations in-house and don't negotiate those things through the press, hoping for a resolution sooner or later, but also mentioned that Xavier Howard has done so much for this organization and how he was Chris Greer's second draft pick when he was uh, took over as full-time GM or I guess getting elevated, promoted into that GM role. And he also closed the quote by saying, I'm looking forward to him being here and helping us win. Next, Chris was asked about the Laramie Tunzel trade, which we know has produced all kinds of dividends for this Dolphins team. Let's hear him talk about that trade and reflecting upon it three years after the fact. Well, I still remember the day we traded him. I was crying. <laughs> you know, I was like, uh, we both were, you know, because uh, he, he's such a good guy. And, uh, you know, every once in a while he'll text me just like, hey, you know. Um, but he's, um, we made that trade. It was still, you know, you find a young franchise left tackle, you know, which everyone's looking for those. So. Um, but in terms of the return, yeah, I never would have guessed that it would have led to all of this. And I still don't, you know, follow the whole in terms of what I think someone told me the other day, all the, uh, you know, what what we ended up acquiring based off of it. But at the end of the day, you just keep trying to do what's best. You hope for the organization and what we feel good about, you know, in terms of uh, trying to build a team that competes for Super Bowls here. Wrapping up here. Chris was also asked about the receivers room and if he intends for receiver Devontae Parker to be on the roster. And he said, well, we like having good players, you know. He said, we feel really good about the receiver room and the expectation is he'll be here, but we'll always listen. And he was asked if they've gotten calls for Devontae Parker. And he said, yes, I have. Last one here. He was asked about 
the idea of being aggressive and if it was a time to be aggressive or if a certain player like a Tyreek Hill made it easier to be aggressive and kind of balance those two ideas. Here's Chris Greer to wrap it up. No, I, I think it's kind of what we talked about in Indy. You know, I, this was not a rebuild. You know, this was, you know, finding the right players, right pieces, right time. And I think we've, you know, acquired a lot of young talent coming in. But if you find good veteran players that are good, not only good players, but leaders, you know, as well as people talk about Tyreek's leadership there in Kansas City. You know, the Saints all raved. I mean, here, Mickey Loomis stopped me again. He's one of the best human beings you'll ever be around. So I think for our roster, if we can add, you know, however people, you know, blue players, as people call, you know, those top players at positions in the league, especially if they're great leaders and veterans, uh, for these guys, I think it's a great opportunity for us. So we just felt this was the right time to really be aggressive. All right, so there you have it from a busy day from Palm Beach. Let's go ahead and put a bow on this podcast. Go check out our YouTube channel for all the player interviews from free agency so far, as well as Tyreek Hill, a veteran traded for player. Also, the media availabilities of Chris Greer and Mike McDaniel at the owners' meetings and everything else up on our YouTube channel, Dolphins Today, and uh, the media availabilities, interviews. What else am I missing? All of our content with all the free agents all up there on the team YouTube channel. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins across all social channels. Check out the Fish Tank podcast with Seth and OJ and go vote in their March Madness bracket for best fish tank story. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up. Caroline, daddy's coming home.